0: And it's so good to see you guys. For this is the sunum bonum of the week. Out in the world for a week, and boy, then you you come back in here. It's great to see each other. Of course, we're here on Wednesday nights, too. I don't want you to forget about that. We haven't stopped that. It's it's a special time, too. uh, This morning, we are going to proceed in our study as we go through the book of Mark, which emphasizes the person and the work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what life is about. Jesus Christ. He is our life. And we get the privilege of looking into the wonders of Christ. The wonders of this action-packed gospel of Mark as we proceed from one stage to another stage, as I term it there. And week after week, we see the amazement of the people Of what Jesus had done. And of course he preaches the word. Preaches the gospel. Does supernatural healings. Casting out of demons. His main concern is preaching the gospel. The gospel is what is the focus. For that is what he came for. As it said in chapter 1 verse 39. Which we had ended with a couple of weeks ago. Where it says he went into their synagogues. Throughout all Galilee. Preaching and casting out the demons. And the verse before that, see the word there is preaching. But you'll notice that, let's go elsewhere. Let's go to the towns nearby that I may preach there also. For that is what I came here for. He's to tell them of the good news. His main goal is to preach repentance. That their lives would turn around. That they had a need for forgiveness of sins. Every man who has ever been born. Every man, woman, and child has a need. A lot of needs. But the need, of all needs, is to have the sins forgiven. And how do we get the sins forgiven? There's only one way. So that's his main goal, is to come in and preach that. And we find in Mark 1.14, he said, you know, after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the Gospel of God. The good news that you can get your sins Now, I'm emphasizing getting your sins forgiven today, for that obviously is dealing with our title. That's what we're dealing with on the uh, two accounts that we're working with here today. God requires all men everywhere to repent, as it says in Acts. He requires that of all people. And that is what repentance is. To change. To turn. To turn from the sin. To believe the gospel. To believe that God sent the Son into the world not to condemn it, but actually that the world through Him might be saved. That sinners would be saved. That is what His goal is. So this is the good news that He's preaching. John the Baptist already uh, been the forerunner of Him. Preaching somewhat of the same message, repentance. Praise God that we can say that in the church of Christ today in the 21st century, that the case is no different. People need the news of forgiveness of sins. Most people don't know they need to get their sins forgiven. The power of God is still present today just like it was when Jesus walked the earth. And we've seen the power that He has. Amazing power. That same power is available today. Uh, We know that He rose from the dead and He's present in the preaching of the Word of God and He heals women and men's lives so that they can enter the kingdom of God. And so it's still the case that wherever God moves in power today that people have their lives changed. So what we're going to do is examine two displays of Christ's authority. We look at that every week. We keep seeing these amazing displays. And in this one, he's emphasizing forgiveness of sin. The leper is healed by him physically. But even more important, that leprosy that represents, that is probably the best illustration of what sin is as it goes down to the core of man physically, the nature of man physically, And where he is at as far as the nature of sin is concerned is in a desperate, dire need. And so, we see Christ defeat the worst of all the diseases here in this first story of the leper. We see that, uh, actually this is an illustration of forgiveness of sins as well as the next one will be. The man is immediately healed by Jesus. Two prolific stories. This is our Savior, folks. This is our Jesus Christ doing this. And forgiveness of sin, He proves that forgiveness of sin by what He does here. And by forgiving sin, there's only one who can forgive sin. That's God. Jesus is God. We proclaim that. Um, What we want to do is um, turn our Bibles iPads, iPods, your phones, whatever. Turn to Mark chapter 1. We're going to finish chapter 1 today. And, Lord willing, we're going to go right on into chapter 2. And I know a lot of you are going, how are we going to do that? That will be a miracle in itself. Right, Dennis. You're going to be speaking fast today, as Frida said. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. So... um, We're going to read verse 40 through 45. We're going to finish chapter 1 here. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely, and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city. But stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. Here we go. Here's another one of these stories. We're all familiar with this. The next one we'll do, we're all familiar with this. At least I venture to say that. And if you're not, you will be. Jesus had already said, Let's go somewhere else, to the towns nearby. Let's go to the towns, at least, all around the Galilee area. So that I may preach there also, for that is what I came for. You remember we read that verse. So they left Capernaum, and you remember that's the headquarters. That's where Peter and Andrew are from, and James and John. They are fishermen also. They've been on the uh, on the lake there. Jesus got them to follow him. So they, every once in a while they go back to Capernaum, and that place was blessed in privileges that no other city was, as far as the living Savior being amongst them and preaching and doing miracles. They're in that that particular town. They left Capernaum now. Too big of a crowd. They're all coming around. Let's go to other places. Well, that's what they've been doing. They're all around Galilee. Probably quite a few weeks, it doesn't say. We don't know. Could have been a few weeks. Could have been a few months. But they're going everywhere. They're going to the towns. And presumably they... We're going back home for a little bit. Check in. And uh, the leper shows up. And he stops Jesus. Came to Jesus. This man is in a predicament. A predicament of all predicaments for human beings to be in, in physical condition like this. He is extremely desperate. There is no one to cure him. We know Jesus, obviously, is the only one. But he had the most dreaded of all diseases. By coming up to Jesus the way that he did, was way out of bounds. You don't go up to anybody as a leper. And uh, as a matter of fact, you stay way away. And you cover your mouth and you say... Or more or less that hey don't even come near I can't come near I'm unclean is what they would say unclean unclean and that would warn people and they would make sure that they didn't get close to him but here he is right before the very presence of Jesus he walked up to him he knows the rules he doesn't do that and we'll look why as we look at this text here. Let's see what leprosy was at that time. We've heard of leprosy in our times, and you might know what was happening in the biblical times. There are many writers who have uh, taken up this subject and give us some details. I'm going to take the liberty just to take a few moments here to give us the context of what this leprosy was about at that time and show you how horrendous it really was. E.W.G. Masterson. Uh, has a writing in the dictionary of Christ and the Gospels. Here's what he says. And I'm just going to quote this verbatim. I'm just going to read this if that's okay. No other disease reduces a human being for so many years to so hideous a wreck. Physically, there are three kinds of leprosy. Masterson says, one, there is nodular or tubercular leprosy. Here's how he... Describes this. It begins with an uncountable lethargy and with unaccountable pains in the joints. Then there appears on the body, especially on the back, symmetrical discolored patches. On them, little nodules form, at first pink and then turning brown. The skin is thickened. The nodules gather, especially in the folds of the cheek and the nose and the lips and the forehead. The whole appearance of the face is changed until the man or woman becomes like, not even like a human. They lose their human appearance and look, as the ancients said, like a lion. The nodules grow larger and larger, and eventually they ulcerate, and from there comes a foul discharge. The eye browns, brows fall out, the eyes become staring, the voice becomes hoarse, and the breath wheezes because of the ulceration of the vocal cords. The hands and the feet always ulcerate. Slowly, the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growths. The average course of a disease is nine years. And it ends in mental decay, coma, and ultimately death. The sufferer became utterly repulsive both to himself and to others. Now that's one kind. We'll go on further. He went on to say there's not only this nodular leprosy, there's a second. It's called anesthetic leprosy. That's where you have the nerve trunks that are affected. The infected area loses all sensation. Have no feeling. You can't feel pain or anything. This may happen without the sufferer knowing that it has happened. He may not realize that it has happened until he suffers some burning or scalding and finds that there is no pain and no feeling whatsoever where pain ought to be. As the disease develops, the injury to the nerves causes discolored patches and blisters. The muscles waste away. The tendons contract until the hands become like claws. There is always disfigurement of the fingernails. There ensures... Chronic ulceration of the feet and of the hands. There comes the progressive loss of fingers and of toes until in the end a whole hand or a whole foot may drop off. The duration of the disease is anything from 20 to 30 years. It's a kind of terrible and progressive death of the body. Then there's a third kind of leprosy. And he says, this is the most common of all. Are you ready for the third kind? That's where nodular leprosy and anesthetic leprosy are mixed together. Two problems together. And this is probably what we're talking about when we see it in the Bible. When the two of those go together. Which one would you want? Uh, you get both. Many school, uh, scholars have uh, felt that that's what that would be. It's defined there in Leviticus 13 and 14 in the law. What do you do when somebody gets it? We know that they are to be cast out. Cast out of their family, the community, and out of worship. This disease is so dreadful. It is an illustration of the deep, dark nature of sin. It's used right here. And we get to see how terrible of a situation it is. There are things that happen to people that are awful of what sin has caused. We know. Uh, He uh, met Jesus here in a suffering condition that was horrible. Great physical ailment, suffering, trial, a pitiful existence. And you'd say, why would anybody even want to live through that? And I'm sure that's what the lepers would ask. I don't even want to live. Horrible. On well, the Old Testament law, if you were to turn back to what Moses had given in Leviticus chapter 13, there's a whole chapter, as a matter of fact, 13 and 14. We're not obviously going to read all of that. If you drop down into verse 3, the priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body. And if the hair in the infection is turned white and the infection appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it's an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. That had to be horrible news. you know what that's saying? Death sentence. Huh. Verse 5, the priest shall look at him on the seventh day and if his eyes and the affection has not changed and the infection has not spread on the skin then the priest shall isolate him for seven more days. Somebody that they're not sure about, check him out, wait seven more days and look at that. Uh, if you look in verse 7, if the scab spreads farther on the skin after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing he shall appear again to the priest. The priest shall look and if the scab is spread on the skin then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. I mean, you know, we've heard about cancer today and we know that's horrible. It's, You know, we, we hate to hear it when we hear that news of somebody. What a terrible news it is when they hear that from the doctor. But, you know, in our times, there have been people that have, and, and our people, many people, have gotten through cancer and fought it. and Maybe many bouts with it, but have, have won those battles, at least for some time. Um, here... Unless there was some kind of supernatural thing happened, there was there was no way they could treat it. They would just cast you out. In uh, chapter same chapter, look in verse forty four. He's a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His infection is on his head. And as for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair of his head shall be uncovered. He shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has on the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Cast out. Now, folks, I want to tell you, spiritually, that is where we all work. We were lepers spiritually. We were cast outside the camp. There weren't only physical sufferings and we can see there's spiritual consequences uh, because of what sin has done. Because in Judaism, it wasn't Judaism that made you impure religiously. You couldn't worship. You were cut off from everybody. You were unclean. You couldn't go to the supermarket. You couldn't go down to the park. You were worthless. You were in despair knowing that the others are looking at you and they despise you. That's the way you were treated. The rabbis said that if a leper ever struck his head inside a house, that house was to be pronounced as unclean. That's the end of that house. It was illegal for a clean person to greet a leper. You don't even say hi to him. You broke the law. Their law. Lepers had to remain a hundred cubits away whenever the wind was upward. And four cubits away if the wind was downward. Josephus, who was a Jewish historian, said this, In effect, they are dead men. Now, do you see an illustration of what the nature of sin, which is even more important than just the physical? Spiritually, dead men, women, we are. Until Christ heals us from leprosy, from this deadness. The death sentence, just like what can happen today in many different diseases. A leper knew he was going to die. This man knows his condition. See, the sad thing is, spiritually a lot of people don't know they're in the condition of the depravity of man. They don't know the nature of what they really are in. And so they go about life. Everything's all fine. When you have leprosy, you know you have it. So, we see first of all what he was. He knew full well. And he knew he was desperate. There was no doubt about it, right? Wonder how... Wonder what he thought of himself spiritually. Don't really know. I'll tell you one thing. He knew Jesus could heal him. He has heard about this too much. Go into Luke 16.16. This man is going to make sure that he gets to Jesus. There was no holding back. What's the worst that can happen? Kill me? I'm going to go right up to him because I know we can, I've already heard it. I've seen what he's done. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John, John the Baptist. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached. John the Baptist and Jesus. And everyone is forcing his way into it. Everyone, obviously. is not everybody that's in the land of Judea or Galilee. But it's saying there's a lot of people that are forcing their ways in, way in. How can you force your way into the kingdom? What, what's the meaning here? What's, what, what do you mean forcing yourself? Pressing into the kingdom. I mean, they, they saw who Jesus was or what He was doing. And some of them became believers in Him spiritually, not only for the physical things that were happening. There were many of them that were not still forgiven. Uh, they were not looking for forgiveness of sin. They just wanted to be... You know, healed. They wanted to see the show. They were all in for the physical thing, but there's something more that goes way beyond the physical realm. Look at Mark 7, 25 through 30. Many people are pursuing the kingdom of God, and they're pressing in, and they're going in one at a time. There's the turnstiles, and they're pressing in there. There's a crowd in Mark 7, 25 through 30. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit. A lot of that happening in this area, wasn't there? Immediately came and fell at His feet. Now, now who is this? I want you to back up and look in verse 24. Jesus got up. Okay, He had been in Capernaum and around that area in Galilee. Okay, look at this. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre. Oh, why did He go there? To heal a lot of people in Tyre, right? And so I don't No. No. You know why He went there? to get away from the crowds. You can say, why would He want to get away from the crowds? That's what everybody's wondering. He's got this ministry. He's got this crowd going. And usually people think that's the greatest thing. That's a show of things that are really happening in that church because they have a lot of people and people are coming in by the droves. That must be the greatest thing. That must be the place. Jesus had crowds, but He knew the heart of men. And John 2 said He knew their hearts. They, many were believing in Him, but Jesus knew what was in their hearts. What does that mean? They were there for the show. They were there for the own, their own healing or for their own uh, uh, curiosity. This is why Jesus wants to get away. You say, was He tired? Well, I'm sure there was. He was a man. And as He took on humanus, He did get tired. But this is interesting that He would go to this place, tired when he's already tired, I guess it's for people that are tired. No, just kidding. Uh, that was free, folks. I had not have that arranged. Sorry, that was terrible. When he had entered a house, look at this, he enters a house, somebody invites in. he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. We're out of the country, folks. We're in Tyre. We're out of Israel. He wanted to go and just take a break. The crowd's here, most of them are there for one reason. And it's not for forgiveness of sins. He goes away. Goes to Tyre. He can't escape notice. And here come the crowds again. And here we go. Verse 25. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came to what speed. Now the woman was a Gentile. You'll notice that. He came not to the rest of the world. Didn't come to the Gentiles, but he came to who? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. The woman's a Gentile. Of the Syrophoenician race. She's not a Jew. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of the door. She kept asking. I wonder how many times. Would you heal my daughter? She has a spirit. And Jesus usually goes, boom, you're healed, boom, that's it. She kept asking. She had to keep asking. And he was saying to her, he kept on saying this. Let the children be satisfied first. The children, children of Israel. My own people. For it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, Jesus, you've got somebody here. You can start turning over. Tyre, you know, that whole area, man, can be turned to you just like this. And he says, listen, I came to my own people and I feed my people. And I'm not going to cast this to the dogs. Jesus said this? How loving is that? this has to be a mistake. How do we know this is Jesus? Well, it says right here. What's going on? Have you ever read this like this? Has this ever bothered you? But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. Wow. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. You know what? There was a divine meeting there. This is part of God's program, but at the same time in his humanness, but he shows who he really came there for. And going back to her home, she found the child lying on the bed, the demon hadn't left. Remarkable. He wasn't even there, didn't even touch her. But this woman knew that he could do that. Pressing into the kingdom. That's what she did. She kept asking. And hoping that he would heal her daughter. You know what? This leper, he had no right or claim on Jesus. In fact, everything prohibits him to coming into the presence of Jesus. As far as the law is concerned, he's not supposed to be there. But both of them knew that he was able to deal with with this problem. And he could deal with the Syrophoenician woman's problem. Do you get it now, what Jesus did there? It's interesting that he went to that place. And there again, people still knew about him. Graphic picture of sin here, folks. Graphic. What an illustration. A man must know his condition before he has a desire to repent and believe. J.C. Ryle, tremendous expositor. Tremendous preacher. He said this. It's a radical disease of the whole man. Just like sin, it attacks not merely the skin. He's talking about leprosy here. But the blood of the flesh and bones until the unhappy patient begins to lose its extremities and to rot by inches. Starts losing the fingers, the hands, the toes, the feet start rotting off literally. And they can't go to a doctor. Now that's who the man is. How about Jesus then? Now we look at Jesus. Jesus knew the man's condition. He knew that the man needed to be whole. Jesus alone is the only one in all the world who can heal him. And he knew, this man knew without a doubt, that Jesus could heal him. That's what he knew about Jesus. He knew he could do that. And this man was determined. He's crashing the gates, folks. I mean, it's kind of like you've heard of people crashing weddings. Well, He's crashing the party of Jesus. And we have the compassion of the Lord here. This is who Jesus is. He's filled with compassion. And so far, we know that He never turns down anyone to heal at this time as He's walking on. And when said, He felt compassion. He was moved with compassion. I want to tell you, it was deep down into... Can say into the gut into the stomach you've had that feeling you've had that feeling It's speaking of a gut reaction of pity and sympathy when you've heard something that where somebody is in the condition that they're in uh, you've heard about a disease that somebody's just gotten or or a really sick child and you know exactly what I'm talking about and all of a sudden it hits you like a ton of bricks and it's down into the stomach it wrenches with compassion have you felt it? yes you've felt it everyone here has felt it Jesus Christ as a human and still God, He felt that completely. He was moved with, con- with compassion for the plight of this man. But not only for his physical condition, the lifetime doesn't last that long. There's an eternity that goes much further than this. That's more important. And what's the action of the Lord? This is incredible. Move with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand, and what touched him? No, nobody does that. Nobody does this. This man's a leper. You touch him, you'll get it too. Jesus touches him. I want you to know that. Must even that? Just that touch. I mean, know immediately he's healed. But just that touch to this man. Who let's say if he had a, a wife and kids hugged his wife, touched his kids beforehand. Um, you have a have a touch from somebody. It's really important sometimes, especially when you're dealing with some hard, difficult times. I hope you guys don't mind. Sometimes I come up and just tap you on the shoulder. I don't even know I'm doing it half the time. And don't ever take it wrong. But that's because, man, I, I love each and every one of you guys. And I don't even think about it so much. I do that. And, and I know you guys Probably think it's okay. I hope that's what it is. But I'm not going to do anything else. But I love to just touch, you know. And I'm not a real. You ask Carolyn. I'm not really a touchy touchy person. But when it comes to my family, I I like to show that hey, really I I really care. And Jesus does this in a much more powerful meaning way. Uh, but this man has not had a touch. Who knows when? He's got to be starved for human affection, and he can't be around others. R. Kent Hughes says this, and I've got this starred, so I've got to read this, okay? This is written so good. His feet, probably toeless, ulcerated stubs were suddenly whole. <laughs> he might not have a foot or just toes that have been half half a toe all of a sudden. They grow. They're there. Matter of fact, he says, bursting his shrunken sandals. The knobs of his hands grew fingers before his very eyes. Back came his hair, his eyebrows, his eyelashes. Under his hair were ears, and before him was a nose. His skin was supple and soft. Now, can you hear the thundering roar from a multitude if people were around? Can you hear this man crying out, "Clean, clean! I'm clean! I'm clean!" All because of the touch of the servant's hand. You've heard of the touch of the master's hand? He's the master, but Mark presents him as the servant. Incredible! This is our Jesus, folks. Jesus stretched out His hand, touched him, and said to him, "I am willing. Be cleansed." You know what? I think at this moment, his sins were cast away. It's a picture of it. And it was like, you know, a nanosecond, immediately, have we heard that word before? He stern, or uh, the epilepsy left him and was cleansed, just like that. And he sternly warned him and immediately, as Mark keeps saying it, just immediately, right there, he sent him away. As soon as he was healed, he says, now go. I'd like to kind of hang around. <laughs> this is amazing. I knew you could do it. You know, I'd like to talk with him. But he said, "Now go," and he he, he gives him a warning. This is the action of the Lord. First, go and get a bill of health from the priest. So I went. This is what the law says. If he doesn't go to the priest and get this bill of health from him, that uh, means he can't re enter society. So uh, you know he wants. He needs to be joining in worshiping God. Now, he shows up. The priest is going to know that something supernatural just happened. He couldn't deny it. And Jesus wants that to happen too. If uh, the priest didn't believe in Christ, which he probably didn't, as a consequence, if he couldn't believe in Him as being somebody special like God, then he's a hypocrite. Because he knows that this... Shouldn't happen. It's a test for a priest. It's a test for this man because Jesus says, "Go out and don't tell anybody." Now, is he just doing that for a trick? You know, don't don't tell anybody. I know you're going to tell somebody. No, there's a reason. He doesn't want the throngs, the crowds of people as he's on his way back to Capernaum. You know, you think well, he wants, he needs crowds. That's he's preaching the gospel. Not at this moment. He knows what's in the heart of man, but he knows he can he can heal people, and he has been doing it, and he and he's going to do. Nobody has ever done anything like what he did when he did this here. Go tell nobody. Well, the man definitely did not obey. So uh, he was given two commands here, and he does not. I don't even know if he went to the priest. All I can tell you is, if he's going along, he's probably saying, "Okay, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody." Don't tell him about, it. and somebody comes up and says, "Oh, Joseph, wait a minute, you've had leprosy. What are you doing?" And he says, "Clean, I'm clean." And all of a sudden the guy's asking, "What happened? Your nose is that your hands are that your your toes so, what why, how?" And the man is saying, "All right, all right, come here, I'll tell you, and all you know, I mean, he tells everybody. He just goes and blabbermouths everywhere to everybody. As a result of his disobedience, he affects Christ's work. Jesus gave him command. You can say, well, this is really odd. Surely he doesn't mean that. You know, he doesn't need publicity and where he goes is what he has in mind and where he's going to go and if he needs to go to somebody to heal somebody that will happen if that's in God's plan go to the priest Jesus came to fulfill the law didn't he? so he tells him to do what you're supposed to do the law comes from God anyway it's the very word of God he wanted a priest to verify that the true miracle had occurred the priest couldn't deny what had happened well there's disobedience in this part of man he causes a hindrance here's the point we shouldn't miss this. If we've been delivered from sin through the precious blood of Christ, how many of us as healed Christians, because of our disobedience, are hindering the movement of Christ today? Now, I am not saying that we are to be quiet. Matter of fact, that's quite the opposite. And this is odd. This is, you know, usually you didn't want somebody to go and, and say. But not at that time. Yes, we are go and tell people, aren't we? Matter of fact, that's the problem with us. We don't tell people that if you had been delivered from leprosy, I guarantee you, you would go out and go up and down the street. You'd be leaping and laughing and carrying you'd like to just stop at everybody's house and say, "Hey, look, you'd go around in your neighborhood and where everybody could see you." I mean, if you had leprosy well that's that's the condition that we're in, but much worse, but how come we're so quiet, right? We hinder the movement of Christ today because of our disobedience. Oh, and Dennis, don't get me involved in this. I just want to hear the story. <laughs> well, we have to come in on this. We are this man. But in, in this case, we are to tell about Christ. Well, we've got to go to the second one. And, uh, hey, we're going to get a start here, Frida. Am I talking fast enough? No. <laughs> Are, are we? Are you catching, catching what we're saying? Okay, this is forgiveness. Forgiveness of sin. This is one of the most important things. I think it's the most important thing that we can tell each other. We came here today to hear good news. The good news is that you have been forgiven of sin. Your sins are cast away. They're totally gone. Never to be held against you. There is a judgment seat of Christ at the Bema. Uh, and, and what we've done with what He's given us. But we're talking as far as holding the sins against us; that will not happen. We have been justified. We have been counted as righteous in Christ, Christ alone. Now the paralytic is forgiven in verses one through twelve of chapter two. Have we ever stopped at one chapter and moved right on into another chapter? Well, we've been breaking the rules lately. And Wednesday nights we just went from First Peter right on to Second Peter, and we usually stop at the end of the chapter. But. Um, I think this is so connected with the other one. And since Mark wants us to move along immediately, I'm trying to obey his plan. (laughs) So here we go. Are you ready? I'm talking really fast. I'm trying to do as fast as I can. So when he came back to Capernaum, several days after it was heard that he was at home, Capernaum, many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men, being unable to get to him because of the crowd... They removed the roof above Him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their face, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sin but God alone? Immediately... Jesus, aware in His Spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. But, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, He said to the paralytic, I say you get up, pick up your pallet, go home. He got up and immediately picked up the pallet, went out in the sight of everyone, so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Wow! This is our Jesus, folks. We're going to see Him one of these days. What a powerful God. A brother of ours in the sense as Hebrews calls Him. But yet He is a holy God too. We have to see Him both ways. Wow! What do we do with this? I'm speaking forgiveness of sins here. That's a great miracle. Uh, who, Who do we have? We have Jesus here. You have this crowd that's incredibly numbered in this house. Pretty big house. Peter's and Andrew's house. Along with his wife, Peter was married. We've already seen that. I'm gonna. I don't have to prove that. We've already seen that in another chapter. And mother-in-law, who had been healed there, and so they're back in Capernaum. Everybody knew what happened, and he left town. They all left town. They went on about uh, Galilee, and they know, somehow they get word that he comes back. I'm sure he wanted to come in quietly. And funny, I, I remember working at. Uh, a record store here in town Missouri Boulevard a long time ago it's long since gone but there was this guy who played professionally and uh, played steel guitar and, and man he was incredible I guess he went down to Nashville and he had been doing some touring and he came into town everybody knew who he was and of course they'd be calling him up and checking out somebody knows about it and he gets around town all I remember is I didn't know him too well but I knew enough that this guy was very talented he's sitting in the back room of the store talking to the owner there and uh, I just kind of glimpsed in and, you know, heard a few words as, as they were speaking. Just wanted to take a look at him, you know. And uh, But they were talking. He said, yeah. Uh, he says, I'm just in town for a day. And he said, Chuck, thanks for letting me come in here. Uh, he came through the back alley, through the back door. And he's sitting in there. He's not going to go out into the store, but there they are sitting there. And uh, he knew the crowds would be too much. He didn't have enough time to deal with people. And... uh this happens so much with Jesus. He gets home, and guess what? The house becomes packed. It's so loaded in there, you can't even move a muscle hardly. You know what I mean? I mean, it is so so crowded. You can't get in the door. You can't even swing the door open. That's the kind of situation Jesus was in constantly. Every, he couldn't get away. finally went out of the country, and there they come. This is what's happened. Well, they made it back. They're in Capernaum. If you look in chapter seven, verse twenty-four, we, we already read this. But he, Jesus got up, and went away from there to the region of Tyre. When he entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, that he couldn't escape notice. I just find that fascinating. Um, Matthew eleven twenty-three through twenty-four. Matthew eleven twenty-three. And you, Capernaum will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades, for if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, in you, Capernaum, all the miracles that were there, if we would have have done this in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom. Everybody knows about the judgment of Sodom. Unbelievers know about Sodom. That's because they watched that movie last week, uh, the Bible. (laughs) They know about Sodom, right? In the day of judgment than for you. Now, we've read that before. That's incredible. All the miracles that happened there, most people were not believers, folks. Most of those people got healed in that city. Almost everyone. Maybe everyone. I don't know. People believed. You know, it was in their hearts. They crowded to hear him. Hearts weren't changing. Many there were for show. Sadly, some people like this crowd run to meetings today. Somebody can be just a fantastic speaker. Somebody can be a, a real preacher of the Word. I mean, just be just right on. But they're there for the wrong reason. They're there to see a personality. They're there for whatever, you know. Uh, they're there for their own health. They're there for their wealth. You turn on satellite TV today and you'll have all sorts of religious channels come on and you know what? I can't even hardly stand to watch any of those. And you say, why? Why, Dennis? If I could, that's all I'd ever have on. But there's nothing but junk on there. Um, sometimes you can occasionally see somebody that's really good. But what happens, you've got a channel like the God channel. And all the rest of them, you hear about all these false prophets you know, talking about how God wants you to get rich quick and He wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and wise and it tantalizes people. And you know, God uh, is a great God. And He's willing and He can do whatever He wants. And He does do that sometimes. But the thing is, that's what the problem is at this time. They weren't there for the forgiveness of sins. They were there for... The show. They're there, there to hear him preach. That's what he's doing here at this time. He's. We don't see him healing at this time when this man uh, is going to be dropped in in front of his face. Uh, here in Mark, we see, and that's why I keep saying the crowds. He didn't have to worry about getting crowds. It was automatically. He was trying to hide a lot of times where he he couldn't get away to to pray. <laughs> Gathered together, no longer room, not even near the door. He's speaking the word to them. Now, the word speak, usually you'll see the word preach, caruso, to proclaim, to preach the word of God. Well, this time the word is not preach, it's a word that's related to it, but it's the word laleo, which means to speak, uh, to converse with, to teach, to explain, to converse. It's conversational speaking. He's kind of there just speaking to them. And I'm sure that He's getting in the Gospel. I'm sure that He's telling that He came to break the power of sin. He was to be their King. The miracle served as a sign to His deity, to what His identity is. He's the greatest miracle worker of all. There is no doubt about it. We lift that up. We glorify Him for those great, amazing miracles and all the compassion that came out of that. That's a fantastic thing. He is the miracle worker. There's nobody like Jesus. We exalt Him for that. I mean, this is just awesome. The thing that you need most is God's Word. For it will spiritually diagnose what's inside. It will diagnose the greatest sickness that is ever there and surgically remove that nature of sin from you. That, folks, is the most amazing thing that there is. How would you like to be perfect in your health and have billions of dollars and this is all there is. Twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years, you're done, and then you go to hell. I know what I want. Know what's most important. Although I desire to have things in this life, in this life that passes, as good as I can. I don't want to get sick, and I'll be praying uh, for people who are sick. You know what we think of that? We pray to God for that. You know that. Uh, We want the best for people. And that's a good thing. thats I don't want to get that confused. But I'm telling you, Jesus knows what's in the hearts of men. He wants to get the Word of God to them. The most healing medicine of all is right here, folks. The very Word of God. Inspired by God, infallible, inerrant, complete, authoritative, sufficient, effective, determined for your salvation. This Word of God will convert your soul. And here now are these other characters. You have the four companions. You have this leper. You have Jesus. You have the big crowd. You have the Pharisees there. Pharisees there. And so now we get introduced to these four men. Hey, we're doing pretty good on time, folks. Ah, Yeah. We're doing real good. Okay. If I keep talking a little bit faster, Frida, we're going to make it. Lord willing. <laughs> the companions, his friends. Man, if you have one friend that cares like this, you have a friend for life. Hang on to him. He has four. You know what their names are? I I never know. It doesn't say in here, does it? Is it in one of the other Gospels? I, I missed it. I'll tell you what their four names are. You guys ready? One of their names is Sympathy. Heard that? Yeah, and the uh, the other friend's name is Cooperation. And another one is Originality. And another friend is called Persistence. Now, if you know this story, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> um, they really don't have those names. That's what all four of them were, though. Um, boy, the faith that they had. Look in Luke chapter 5. They knew that Jesus could heal the friend. They had no doubt. And we're not gonna. We're not gonna hold back. Nobody's gonna stop us. We're we're gonna get our friend healed, and we know the person to go to that will do it. Verse eighteen. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in to set him down in front of him. <laughs> this is this is one of the most humorous st- uh, stories in the Bible. To me, I find so much humor in this, but uh, with so much truth and. Something that's really serious. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd. I mean, they try in every way. They went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with a stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. And seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. <laughs> this, this is just remarkable. These guys really care about this. They had faith. The house was packed so much, there's no way they could get them in. Now I'm wondering about the crowd. You've got a guy on a pallet. They know Jesus is in there. This shows you that the people don't really care about other people. They're there for their own little thing. Why do you say that, Dennis? Why didn't they start moving out of the way? they got this guy with a pallet, and I'm sure they're saying, we want to see Jesus. We want to get in. Please, this man needs help. They're trying everything... Pardon me, excuse me, that's not even working. (laughs) Those people, you know, no way, you're not getting by me. I got in this line and I'm at least I'm standing outside the door here, but at least I can see in or, or at least hear what's going on. Or they're just trying to get into the door and moving that pallet and trying to shove people out of the way. Who knows what's going on? They're trying everything that they can come up with. That's why I say they're very persistent and they're very creative. These guys, you have to be amazed. Now, here's the question, and I'm going to put a little bit of rib into us. Are are you ready? You know, Because we have to have a little bit of conviction by the Word of God. It's neat to see the stories, but the stories have to mean something to us. Otherwise, why are we here? Are you ready to get pierced through by the Word of God? Why isn't that we are not bringing people nearer to Christ? Why aren't we doing that? Mm. Dennis, this was okay until you said that. How many people have you lately brought near to the Son of God? When I ask this, I'm asking myself. Some of you never think of even bringing someone near to the place where the Word of God is preached. You don't even think of it. There are people all around you. Why aren't they here? These men were very creative They knew the Word of God was preached. They knew what Jesus could do. Now, so much for the conviction, let's move on. Ready? <laughs> did, you, did you get it? We've, we've got somebody that's really precious. The most precious person of all. And we're quiet. The houses at that time were built of stone. Stone houses. Most of the time, that's the way it was. They have these steps that go up to the roof. Get up on the roof, and you could, whenever it was hot at nighttime, you could go up there and you could sleep at the night. It was like, uh, you know, remember the screen in porches you used to see back in the 50s and 60s? <laughs> Some people still might have it. It was really good, you know. And, and when they didn't have air conditioning, people would go out and sleep out there. Well, that's what they would do on the roofs. You'd have joists up on the roof, kind of like wood, lumber. And in between each of these joists would be these clay tiles, uh, mortar, some grass maybe on top of that, uh, maybe some mud, and they'd put that together, and, and that would kind of hold that roof up there like that. It'd be relatively easy to dig through this roof. It would be so maybe a little bit of work, but not too hard. You can get in there. It's not like you know our houses today with roofs. You know, you're up there, you know, probably taking. Uh, saws or you know taking sledgehammers i took a sledgehammer to that thing out there last week and got it moved out of the way and now it's sitting in the grass over there now there's no snow there but uh you know it's it's, this is going to be a little bit of a noisy thing that's going to happen is what i'm trying to get at and what they have in mind is dig through the roof lower the man on on the ropes and just get right down there in front of jesus right in his face I mean, they figured out where he's sitting. They find out. They must have poked out through there, seen where he's at, or somebody told him where he's at, and so they measured it out, probably figured this out. And, well, they're, I mean, their guesses were perfect. You have all this vegetation and and clay. You, know, you have the clay uh, just start to falling on the floor. They, they pick a little piece out. Now, he's on a pallet. Uh, let's say this thing's like six foot long. Oh, two, three feet wide. That's how you're going to have to do That's how much of the roof you're going to have to dig out. Are you, are you getting this? Now Jesus and the crowd is there and it wasn't like this just happened in one second with one boom, there he is. They're out there digging up the roof. They're digging up the roof. Here's the sound. Pieces of clay, grass, uh, mud is falling down to the, the floor and Jesus is preaching and He keeps preaching. Stuff is just falling everywhere. And the hole gets bigger. And it gets bigger. And it gets bigger. And there's a mess down on the floor. And Jesus has got some on His, you know, on his shoulder. And, and it's all over the place. He's preaching the Word of God. And the man comes right there. Right in front of Jesus. I think that is amazing that those guys knew exactly where to drop Him at. And I'm sure as they dug that hole, they saw where he was at as they went further. You know, maybe they started up there a little bit, you know, and got within a few feet, and now now they go, oh, (laughs) back, right here. Boom, there he goes. And he's right there. Uh, Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. That's all it says here, they just removed the roof. And we think, oh, they just took the whole thing off, and there it is, and boom, like that. Well, they let down the pallet. Paralytic is lying there. And I find this the most remarkable. Jesus has been preaching. Stuff has been falling. The hole got bigger and bigger. And everybody knows about it. And what's Jesus going to do? And I want to tell you something. I would think that if somebody was preaching and they got this crowd and this attention that they would automatically say, excuse me, but do you know that we're in the midst of preaching here? We're preaching the Word of God. Why are you interrupting? Do you know what Jesus immediately said? The man is lowered down and he says, Your sins are forgiven you. (laughs) What? I mean, the man is probably saying that. (laughs) The guy's up there looking down. He says, Your sins are forgiven. I don't think that's what they were looking for. (laughs) Your sins are forgiven. Okay, well, good. That's that's a fine thing. But this man needs to be healed, you know, physically. Right on his feet. The first words Jesus said is not, What are you doing interrupting my sermon? Your sins are forgiven. I think that's the best thing that anyone could ever hear in their life. Your sins are forgiven. What, you mean Jesus? You're not going to do anything? How strange. I find that rather humorous. Every time I read this story, it just makes me want to smile even more. I think Jesus might. It doesn't say it here. And, And forgive me if I'm wrong. I'm just taking a little liberty here. He might have smiled at this moment. With all this happening, you know, he probably just kept on and boom, he's finally down. He says, Son, your sins are forgiven. The word forgiven there, forgiveness of sins in the Greek is aphimai. There's another word to, you know, to take it away, to put away sin, and that's a good word. This word aphimai is incredible. Now folks, we're almost at the end. I'm on page 5 and about halfway down that page. Okay. so it shows you where we're at. Are you ready? This is the closing part. There's other parts to this, but this is the most important. It's not only putting away sin. It's actually in two parts. One, the law and the justice of God is satisfied because of what Christ did on the cross in that he paid the penalty for our sins. Did you hear that? The penalty has already been paid. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, your sins have been paid for. He pays for sinners' sins. He doesn't pay just for anybody, He pays for the ones that He has chosen, He, is, he pays for the ones that are His children. The penalty has been paid. If he if he pays for anybody else, their sins are paid and they're going to go too. No. He pays for the ones that are his. Jesus paid it all. He makes it possible. In the sense that people are summoned to him, but the ones who are his will be brought to him, as it says in John 6:44. He will draw them to him. Sins can never be held against us. Now, the second part of this is that our sin is taken away. Our guilt is removed. Far as the east from the west. It's removed. It's gone. Replaced with the righteousness of Christ. And here we go. Okay, we've got to burn this up. Here's where we have to speak fast. Are you ready? Okay, just did the miracle. Now you have the Pharisees there. But uh, scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts and they're thinking automatically. He just said, Your sins are forgiven. They don't see anything. They're thinking, okay, hey, you know, you're doing the miracles and everything. Anybody can do that. Who are you to do this? They're not saying it. But Jesus knows in His Spirit. He knows what's happening. First of all, He is God. And He can know what's in people's hearts. And and right today, He knows what's in our hearts right now at this moment. (laughs) They're saying it's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Yeah. What's the next word? Verse 8 immediately Jesus, aware in His Spirit that they were reasoning, that way within themselves said to them, why are you reasoning? All these things that are in your heart, why are you reasoning about that? What? What? What are you doing? I know what you're thinking. Now a lot of times we get a sense of what people probably are thinking, especially when you know they're scribes and we know they're going, oh yeah, right, your sins are forgiven. Who does he think he is? Only God can do that. That's right. Nobody can forgive anybody else's sins. Priest, pope, minister, pastor. Nobody can forgive your sins. Only God can. Which is easier to say, Jesus says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and pick up your pallet and walk. Well, which is the easiest thing to say? Your sins are forgiven. Nobody can see forgiveness. That's the thing. And it's an inside job. And that's why people are naturally... The ones who want to see things, feel things, experience things, and that's the most important, right? No, the spiritual is even more important. It's nice to see things, but we live by faith and not by sight. And so a lot of things we don't get to experience right now, but there are things that we will. We live our lives by living by faith even though we don't know what God is going to do tomorrow. And I can guarantee you He's got a perfect plan for you in every step you take and He's got it all mapped out and you are cool with Him. It's alright. It's okay. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Son of Man identifying with humanity. I want you to know this. Just so you know, I have the authority to forgive sins. Folks, this is a claim that He is deity. Right here. They said, only God can forgive sins. He says, well, just that you'll know that I have this authority. Um, watch. Watch this. Watch this. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up. Pick up your pallet and go home. He got up and immediately, right? Picked up the pallet, did exactly what Jesus said, and went out in sight of everyone. <laughs> You can't answer to this argument. There's a new factor here and these are the religious establishments. This now comes on scene here in the book of Mark. We've seen the satanic opposition to Christ. The demons being cast out. Satan tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And now the religious establishment. Which is worse? (laughs) Well, Satan is behind uh, people in the religious establishment. The people are established, man. This is what everybody looks for. Everything is great. The religious establishment, these scribes are the greatest, man. These Pharisees, Sadducees, all these guys, they know what they're doing. They have the answer for us. And you know how dark and deeply, deathly dark it was in that nation. They didn't do anything. A new factor. Who does he think he is? and of course only god forgives i think of isaiah 43:25 oh there's so many passages i'm just going to read this one and uh, getting ready to close i even i am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake you guys like that one i will do it nobody else can i will do it and i'll do it for my sake Well, it's for our sake too, but ultimately, what is it about? Him. It's all about Him. What's about me too? No, it's about Him, folks. It's all about Him. And I will not remember your sins. You know what? We proclaim that today, right here. We proclaim that forgiveness of sins. We normally would have communion today. We ran out of grape juice. And as I was informed of that, I go, okay, we'll deal with that. We'll do it next week. Uh, and it's okay. We don't have to have it every week as an automatic. And if that's the case, it's a case. But it, it would be great for this particular lesson because He will remember our sins no more. That's the covenant that He makes with His believers, with His people. Oh, wow. You think they could argue with that? Jesus knows man's thoughts. He knew what was in their hearts. He demonstrated His authority through the miracles. He showed that. He had mighty words. Anybody can tell you your sins are forgiven you. But I'm going to tell you, get up and walk. And this is going to prove I have authority over man's sins and they can be forgiven. This man walked. his sins were already forgiven before He was even healed. This healing proved the authority of Christ. People cannot see sins forgiven, but they can see a physical healing. Well, both things happened here. You know what? This man stood up on his useless legs. He took his mat with his arms that had probably been useless too. He probably was a quadriplegic maybe. And he went on home. And you know what? Just like a leper, he is told to go home. He didn't want to hang an advertisement around him. And of course, says he's going out there, the crowds are outside the house. And then the people in the house, I'm sure they're going outside as they're seeing this guy go out. And, you know, they know who he is, probably. Can you imagine the people cheering when this happened? You know, when we have a baptism and then all of a sudden it's like everybody just starts clapping and, you know, yelling and everything, yay, you know. Um, Imagine the people. And imagine this man dancing out there, skipping, whatever, jumping, you know. <laughs> Whatever's going on. He's, you know, he's walking out of there, and I'm sure he probably tested to see what all was happening. He couldn't do anything before, and now all of a sudden he could. And Jesus' mission was to preach the Gospel. You see, Jesus has authority to forgive men's sins on earth. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pope. That's what they profess to do. How do you get your sins forgiven? That's what I'd love to ask a priest. How do you get your sins forgiven? Because you forgive sins of people when they come into the confessional. And you tell them how to get rid of their sin. Um, A pope is Jesus Christ here on earth. And He's the one that forgives sins as as He is being prayed to. You don't need a minister. You don't need somebody who even preaches the the Word of God and is faithful to that. All you need is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that forgives your sins. These people were amazed. They were all amazed, and we've been seeing this over and over and over. Amazed and we're glorifying God, saying we have never seen anything like this. And by the way, this word amazement is intense. We've already seen words that were used in amazement, and Mark Mark keeps using different words. Our English word usually is amazed because that's about as far as we can get with it. But in his way, it was a picture of a word meaning the people are wild with wonder. (laughs) How far do you go with the English language to try to put something to explain this? Are you amazed at Jesus? Are you just wild with amazement at Him? Do you want to be around Him? Do you want to be around where His Word is preached and taught and conversed with? Do you want to be around God's people so that you can proclaim His truth with each other as you're being built up in Christ? Do you have that desire? Right? Well, obviously you do. You came here this morning. Their attention was so focused... They didn't pay attention to anything else. Can you imagine the shouting and the praising? People shouting expressing They're experiencing the very power of God before their eyes. Forgiveness of sins is what man needs most. And that's what we praise God for. And we say to anyone here who has not had their sins forgiven, we have the Gospel, the good news, to tell you your sins can be forgiven if you put your place, trust in Christ who can, who's the one who takes the place of a sinner, dies for them, and their penalty is paid for. Other than that, your penalty is there forever for eternity. What if this man was here with us today, told his story? What if he came right up here today, right now, says, I'll never forgive. I never knew I needed forgiveness. I didn't know I wanted to walk again. That was my biggest issue. I w- but you know what happened? I was forgiven. For eternity. Forgiveness is much more significant. It's important as I was able to walk. The leper, he was without God, without any hope. He needed forgiveness. Paralytic couldn't walk, but needed forgiveness much more. The transient things are just that the life of God is eternal and having his righteousness is eternal. Thank the Lord that he is a God who does have compassion. He does heal us, but it's to show who he is. And what the gospel is all about, the very kingdom of God. So we live here today and thank the Lord in the situation that we're in. We are people that are blessed and we have the Word of God all around us constantly. We have the truth. And so, let's make that known. Let's pray. Father, You're a great God, a holy God indeed. Thank You for this time that we just experienced in looking at Your Word, the truth about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord. And we have the great news. That sins can be forgiven, cast away, trusting in Christ alone, who died in our place, paid the penalty. And we have hope because the good news has been shared to us. The Word of God has taken root, and we desire to grow and grow. So that as these people were amazed, they glorified you, Lord that we can glorify You here 2,000 years later knowing You're just the same person, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen.